Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Tuesday of Cholamoid. Finish school, and um, I'm gonna do take a whack at the parsha this week. Obviously, it's um, Shvi Shal Pesach. You know, it's your no no Shabbos uh, um, <coughs> The way the calendar works out, and today's talk is being sponsored by the Raidens, uh, Zeb Raiden, Medina in um, in uh, Boca. Uh, I see he's going to be finishing Kaddish soon, same day Rabbi Herzog's Yerutai. And uh, the point is like this. This Shabbos is his Bar Mitzvah Parsha. In other words, he was Shvi Shal Pesach, I take it. Which means he had a shorter laning. And he always was a smart guy. Anyway, uh, and I want to, uh, you know, uh, give a shout out. Well, I'll save that for a minute. This week is Shvi Shal Pesach, the crossing of the Red Sea. And one of the really cool things, if you know Chazal's Midrashim especially, Midrashic literature, go back to the Tanaim Mamorayim. They're not politically correct. None of this stuff would get written today. But they had no hesitation, because this is how they saw it. This is their Messiah or whatever. If they say something good, good, bad, bad, they call, call it like you see it. And this is particularly noticeable at the Red Sea, to my mind. Because, on the one hand, you have a majestic occasion. Mamish Kriyasi Yamsev. You know, and... The Egyptians get drowned. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. It's the Aussie Usher that we say every single day of the year, without exception, is reminding of this, uh, you know, what should I say, momentous, solemn occasion. The Jews were so blown away by it that Moshe was inspired to say Shira and Miriam and all that kind of stuff. Ma'ashara, Shifchal, Yam, Buzi, all that kind of business. And yet at the same time, the rabbis of the Gemara knew, ain't no way you're going to get a couple hundred thousand or million Jews together without making a balagon and a Chinese fire drill. The Jews ain't like that. It's too easy of a story to say Moshe led a, led a docile um, uh, you know, group of people who followed him unquestioningly, you know, through uh, thick and thin. Baloney! Every step of the way, Chazal driving him crazy. That's the story of the Chumash. Uh, and and it, it reaches a, a crescendo, you might say, or one of them, Talking crazy also. Now, I always share every year, I cannot forbear, even though I must have said it in earlier years, you got to take a look at the Elvis from Nelson. And when he gets to the point about Moshe splitting the sea, it's almost crazy. Because here you have uh, Moses about to split with the staff. And the Jews say it ain't good enough for us, right? Or some did. This is in the Elvis from Nelson, Periklamid Gimel. So here's the claw Israel by the Yamsuf. Parazin is is chasing after him, but there's a cloud of glory interposing. And and then he, what do you call it? And Moshe said, here we go. I'm going to split the seed. And he does. So that itself would blow me away. I mean, I saw the movie. That would blow me away. But it's not good enough for them. 
Kumu Ivru, Moshe says to them, Now cross, I just did something unbelievable. I'm almost split the sea. Where do you have that? We don't like the conditions. It's like New Yorkers going to a Pesach Hotel in Orlando. I don't like the situation, right? I want the Yam to be in the coven, the coven. It's got a holes in it, I guess, in mean, footpath. So Moshe said, okay. So he, he, he does, again, Shazam with the uh, Mate and the sea, which was split, but formerly didn't, was, didn't have the coven, now does. Shanemar, so and so forth, the Pesach. Kum Weaver, and the Moshe is new. Is it good enough for you now? That's crazy. Why did Moshe say like this? Hey, you guys don't want to cross the sea because it's not comfortable? Okay, guess what, Charlie? I'm out of here. Me and my family are crossing over. You deal with Pyro. Bye-bye. That's what I would do. It ain't good enough for you to digest the nace of all Nisim? No. Moshe's like this. I got to get him across. And so he says, what about now? Lo navar umbrelo. Lo navar chiasam bikalofanenu. It's not flat enough. So he did that again. Kumu Ivru. Lo Navar Gazarm Gazarm. So the poor guy Moses is hitting the sea, Nochamo, Nochamo, Nochamo. And each time he's trying to and is another nace. And it ain't good enough for them because it ain't good enough for them. Kumu Ivru, Lo Nase, Achanaselfane Mikomer, Notabika Yom, Omelo Nas, Achanaselfane Midbar, Lo Nas, then they said, Lo Nas, Navar, Achiasone, Purim, Purim, and Notamusha Samata. In other words, they want everything in there. Like you say today, the grass should be cut, it should be the right temperature, it should be air conditioning, and so forth and so on. And they got what they wanted. Because Moshe wasn't the type of guy to say like this, I'm sick and tired of you guys. That came later, <laughs> but not on this occasion. I'm sick and tired, I'm leaving over here. We want chomos, we want fanina neodos, and so on and so forth, until they got what they wanted. So basically, you know, it's like a it's like a tough real estate guy. He says, I want, uh, you know, uh, three weeks plus. I want the air condition covered. I want the koshering covered. I want, <laughs> right? I want the interior decoration covered. I want a brand new a bathroom, I wanted this, that, and the other. And what are you paying? You're paying nothing. These are B'nai Israel living on a nace. But Hashem did it. Let's put it this way. Moshe kept the stick in. So you see, Moshe, Onav doesn't mean humble in the usual sense that we understand the word humble, like a little nebbish. But humble means he was willing to endure all this junk. All this junk. Because like I tell you again, the Nazis are right behind. is going to kill everybody. These people are, are, are making rules. Imagine somebody had a chance to get out from Hitler on the last plane. And the guy's like, it's, it's not air conditioned. I ain't leaving. <laughs> right? The chair is too lumpy. You understand? The aisles aren't good. What? They don't have Coke? They, they don't have booze? I'm not coming. Yeah, you want to stay behind and get killed by Hitler? But that's who people are. And by the way, we do know such cases from the Holocaust and from other times. We do know such cases. The people... As the expression goes, ranging the chairs on the Titanic. You see? So the Chazal are telling us for a reason. Now, I always have a good time with this. Not a good time, but another time. Uh, whoever has children in the Parsha, I know the Raidens now have kids in the Parsha. I did a little while ago and all the rest of it. I may have one. And uh, 
they always say kasha zivugim kekriyas yamsev. That's famous, right? Kasha shidukim kekriyas yamsev. So you can make a hundred different explanations, but to me, this is mom's explanation. I found the perfect guy for you. He's not tall enough. He's not short enough. I don't like his sweater. His beard is too long. His beard is too short. It's this, it's that, and the other. No, if I drag you a cup, but to tell you the truth, if you want to marry him off, you got to, like, you know, accommodate to this and that. They don't listen and say, well, just settle for this. Or he's got these qualities and that's good enough. Or she's got those qualities, good enough. It's always, no, no, he's got to be this and this and that and that. And you have to have this kind of a bow tie. I don't know. All kind of mishigasa out there. And, you know, if you want it, if you want the shit, sometimes if you want the shit to go through, you have to end up doing like, you know, uh, how's it go over here? You have to have Mayim Chaim and Ayom B'Shosim B'Tachim You have done the Odos, Moshkin Shem and Adrash Atav Pein Shaltinokas. You got to accommodate the most crazy Meshuggah things. So I think, personally, that's the real meaning. Kasha Shishdukun Kekriz Yamsu. But okay, that's a Dvarah Torah in the Veldorite. Now, um, uh, the, <laughs> I hope they're listening in Florida. Anyhow, but my attention was really called to a better one, or a crazier one. And that is, and I believe I've talked about it in the past, but it doesn't matter, because I thought about different this year. And that's the famous Chazal, which is in the Mechilta and the Yushalmi, uh, Yushalmi and Tainus, and Mechilta over here, where it says, and here's the Jewish people being chased by the Egyptians, as we all know the story, and they see them coming, and they freak. What does it mean, freak? They form four groups. You know, if I was a good darshaner, which I'm not, you know, if I was like a, a meal type guy, you see the four groups correspond to the four sons, the four cups, the four this and the four that. It's a four. But the fact is, and it says, you know, I'm looking at the Michilta, there's different versions. And... It says, Arba Kitin Nasu Alayam, that four groups formed right down on the spot. Now, this is not at all surprising. The Jewish people were a large group, and they're confronted by a crisis. I mean, a crisis of life and death. Here come the Egyptians, Ufaro Hikriv. And they're going to kill everybody. And so, what do you do? Don't expect from 600,000 men, and who knows how many women and so forth. You're going to get some kind of unanimity. I mean, they didn't have time to sit and hold conversations and debate and all the rest of it. And with Jews, time doesn't even help because nobody gives in to the other. And Jews have this divisive gene, as we all know. And listen, let's face it, we're all nuts. So that's what happened there, right? It's like a paradigm. Four groups immediately formed how to react to the advancing Egyptians. Acha Samaris Lipolo Yam. So this is very interesting. It's like an exercise in politics, as um, Aristotle has his book on politics. In other words, fundamental poli with any human group, uh, you know, large uh, uh, body, it's just natural that you're not going to have the same reaction to the crisis on the part of everybody. And we've had this all the time. Um, just off the top of my head, you think, I mean, when Hitler came to power, did everybody have, this one said, let's act this way, that one said, let's act that way. There was no unanimity among the Jews. When it came for Israel to be a state in 48, and the Arabs are attacking, 
you know, this party said, don't do it. This party said, do do it. This party said this, then that. Ben-Gurion kind of like rammed it through. It was a close call. So that's who we are. You have four uh, groups. Arba, Kitin, Nasu, Yisrael, Aliyam. So what do you, how do you react? So one said, Lipol Aliyam. So Pashim Shadis, when I read that, it says, let's commit suicide. Better to drown in the sea than to fall in the hands of the Egyptians. I hear that. You know, that's like a, an emotional response. It's possible to read that and treat it differently. It's possible to say, Lipol Aliyam. Let's throw ourselves on the mercy of a Kaddish Baruch Hu and jump in the river, maybe in the water, maybe we'll split it for us. You could, that, that's also possible. Some people wanted to raise the white flag right then and there. Aye, how do you think the Egyptians will treat the slaves who just busted them with ten plagues and all this stuff there? You know, what can I tell you? People are like that. You hope. This is like the people in the Warsaw Ghetto surrendering to the Nazis. I mean, they all got killed. But, you know, for one second you have the illusion you'll live. I don't know. Imagine if they were returned to Egypt. That I understand. We'll go down fighting. Right? We'll go down fighting. These Egyptian momsers who killed my kids and threw them in the river, the babies and the bricks and all the rest of it. Okay, if they caught up with us, they caught up with us. Let's take a couple with us. You know, I hear that. That totally makes sense. It's, it's not a it's not a um, hope for victory necessarily. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But at least it's a fighting, you know, uh, response. The ones let's let's scream it down. That's weird. That's weird. I was wondering myself, what does it mean, nitzvah kenegdon? And so, uh, I ended up looking at the parallel passage in Yerushalmi, Perk Pace. And I had the new Yerushalmi, you know, from Achon Ma'or, which is pretty good. And it's sort of something along the lines of a kahati, not exactly, not exactly. But it has, you know, in the back, Biuri Adaf, and it has an Agatha section. And it's very eclectic in its approach to the text. By that I mean, unlike the art scroll, which sticks with Rashi, there is no such thing as Nushalmi. There's no Roshonim, basically. Uh, basically. And so all you got is the carbon Adam Pane motion on the page, who are both from the 1700s, they're rather recent, and they don't command that much respect, you understand? And so uh, that's what you have. But you have other Mephorshim in there, you know, Khan Kanievsky, I, I don't have his thing, I didn't see it. If it but it, they would have brought it down if it's significant. And what they do is they give you a potpourri of, uh, of interpretations, which is fine if you can pick among them. And so I'm looking over here in the Dafyur uh, Amabes in the Yerushalmi. And indeed it says, Arba Kitim, on this, on the fifth, uh, on the fifth, Halacha, hey, fifth Mishnah, second parrot. Arba Kitim Nasa Basin Aliyam, Achas Amaris Nipal Yam, Achas Renasa Mitzrayim, Achas Amaris Nasi Mokham, Achas Nitzvah Kenegdon. So I'm looking on the page, the, the Kahati part, you, like, like we would say on the opposite page. And I'm just wondering, what does it mean, Nitzvah Kenegdon? And so they give upstairs a very firm interpretation. And it says, That is the carbon Ha'eda. Right? So the carbon Ha'eda, who was a rabbi in the 1700s, I think I did a podcast on him, uh, in Germany. So he figured Nitzvah Kenegdon means, let's cry out to Hashem, Nitzavayach is to shout. 
and you know, uh, maybe we'll get a nace, which will put them in a very firm type of spin. But I'm looking at the bottom, and it says I'll be carbonata. Ulam betargim yushalmi v'machzer vitri. Kosav. So he gives you an alternative girsa and an inter- alternative interpretation of what this fourth group was going to do at the Amsuf. Kosav nitzvach v'nimni l'kiblein v'na'arviv yasun. Which means, let us go and scream at them and confuse them. B'kachi v'tzera more. In other words, nitzvach k'negdon b'koli kolos v'um mitachsisi melchoma that's extremely interesting. One group said, in other words, let's go and take them on. Lot says, pull out your guns, pull out your knives, and hit these guys. Maybe they'll take us down, but we'll take them with us. And the other group said, yes, let's use strategy. strategy. If we all shout 600,000, makes a loud noise, maybe it'll scare them off. So those guys are already like thinking strategically. This is according to the Machser Vitri. And the other one, who is it? And the Targum Shalmi. Right? So we'll scream at them and maybe it'll freak them out. Or their horses or something like that. And maybe we'll fight them off. That's, if if that's true, that's a very interesting uh, thing to think about when you have the sea in front of you and the Egyptians coming and you're like going crazy and figuring out what to do. I mean, it's it's uh, quite uh, strategic and intelligent. So I pulled all the way to the back in the part that they have in this Yushalmi, this set, called Otsurus HaAgada, in which they have some kind of a thing at the bottom, right? And uh, he says, he's reading from Hakosev, you know, which is, um, it must be in the, uh, in the, oh, uh, in Yaakov. And the Kosev would be, I guess, uh, the original Yaakov. Uh, what's in Yaakov? Is Yaakov, Teralbach's uh, father, Yaakov ben Chaviv. In the 1500s, and uh, and he explains as follows: Moshe Rabbeinu said, "His Yatsu Ruus Yusu as Hashem, Hashem Yilochem Lachem Batem Tach Rishun. God will fight in your behalf. You be silent." So the Kosev says, "Makor Drajeb Bepsukim Hu Lachora Milo His Yatsu Muteris." Why did Moshe say, "Just stand there"? And anyway, why did he say, "Atem Tach Rishun"? Therefore, they said it's four Kitos. You know, uh, the tzaddikim, in other words, and I'm reading you from Yaakov ben Chaviv from the 1500s. The tzaddikim said, "Matzdikim tzaddin v'loes Rambam Moshe l'mer hamebli in kvar Mitzrayim elamodim shem chayav misa ba'odes Shabbos heya v'tov sheyashlichu asim lamus piyam v'lo biyadivan." Wow, one group of Jews were what we would call from fatalists. This is what the Hakosev says. They said, listen, the Egyptians caught up with us. It's obviously Meshamayim. We did plenty of Averis and Mitzrayim. We were holding my Memtesh Shari Tumah. You know, Ashamnu, Gadnu, Gazalnu, and Demastik as I did. Let's throw ourselves in the Yom like I told you in the very beginning, and we'll drown. Uh, better to, to die that way than be killed by the Egyptians. It's an interesting Mahalach, and it would be a very from one. And it was to them that Moshe Rabbeinu responded. And said, Altis Yoshim and Arachimim, His Yatsuru, Hashem. So Moshe told them to the real frummies, but as they say, they were fatalists, and Moshe said, like this, You don't understand Hashem's Rachimim. So these would be people who said, like this, We got a lot of Averis, baby. You know, we, we know what we did. And that's a very 
um Dovid Melk type situation. And I'll be minus Adin, they were not wrong. Even we all say, we all know the famous mention that says, Halolo Avodizaria, Halolo of the Avodizaria. So they were people who just didn't understand yet, because it's the very beginning of their career with monotheism and Makadish Barcho, they didn't understand Rachman. Later on, you have a reprise of this at the Golden Calf, where Moshe Mbaita himself is, is shocked. So here Moshe is telling him that don't worry about this. Hashem knows about your sins, he's going to save you anyway. But then you had the other group, Katar Shoim, the Kosev says, These guys were Rashaim, meaning they said that the whole business that the ten plagues, all the rest of it, was cooked up by Moshe to make himself a king of the Jews, and that's why he took everybody out of Egypt, so he could make himself his own people. But like all shop tight sweet types, when push came to shove, now he's up the creek, as we see, up the river, up the Yamsuf. Because now we're facing the sea on the one hand, and Egypt on the other, and so Moshe got us into a major mess. So the guys are Russia, Marusha, and an idiot. He couldn't finish his project. But they said, we're dropping the whole thing. We don't want to be part of Moshe. Maybe we go back to Egypt. And Moshe said, oh no, meaning, you think you'll be happy better in Egypt? I'm telling you, you don't believe me, but I'm telling you, you ain't going to see Egypt ever. Okay? So that takes care of two of the four groups. But the other two groups, it's very interesting how he does it. Who were the other two groups? It wasn't that they were tzaddikim, and it wasn't that they were shoyim. They were not approaching this theologically. These were the Mayor Kahanas. These were the guys who were These are the ones who were going to fight. The only question is how. Anoshim Bali's Rohan Blum de These were guys who were tough. So like I told you before, not everybody in Egypt necessarily was um, a, a, a slave working in the salt mines. Some of them had other jobs. And think about what I'm, uh, you know, maybe some had worked, you know, as conscripts in Pharaoh's army. This is quite possible. Or in some other capacity. And they understood Muhammad. Um I think they say the tribe of Ephraim, we busted out early, were in Malum de Muhammad or something like that. You know, could be. It's just interesting. After all, Moses himself had been an Egyptian officer at one point in his life. So who says Moshe was the only guy? Maybe there are others that had some experience in the uh, Egyptian armies, in the military sense. And so the only thing is, these military guys were divided into two opinions. Some of these guys were warriors, mamish, and they didn't know no shtick and no kunst. Here's the enemy, attack. And either laharog or leharik. You're the enemy, I go after you. You take me down or I take you down. One way or another, we're settling this. But Hakatashnia, the other group of those with military experience, perhaps those who had been officers in Pharaoh's army or something like that, it's very interesting. But those in they colors. You use the sound, you know. I remember in the movie Exodus, I think it was based on a real thing. I think at one point the Arabs were going to attack, and what Israel did was they made a lot of noise. Either like in the movie, they played 
uh, you know, records and sound like lots of people were singing, even though the record. Or maybe, if I remember correctly, when they dropped the Davidka uh, thing in, in, in Sfat, the Arabs freaked out from the sound, thought it was a bomb or something like that. It's really true. In the 48 war I'm talking about. In other words, they uh, 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 bluffed them. Okay? They bluffed them. By making it seem so scream and so loud, you don't understand how uh, weak your side really is. So these guys are strategists. They said... Um, and so they make themselves look like they're powerful. But don't attack, because the enemy might be stronger. And that's the idea of the Saveh Kenegdan. So that would be along the lines that the Machser Vitri in the other one says, that it was a, a tactic. It's a, just a very interesting way from this uh, Hakosev in the uh, in Yaakov, it's an interesting way to touch up what exactly was going on <clears throat> over there. But one thing is clear, and that is, it turned into a Chinese fire drill. Moshe said, "Get everybody ready. We're going to cross the sea," and they're freaking and they're screaming. And this one said, "Moshe, I'm Mitzrayim," and the other one said, "This." And the guys from the second group said, "You di- you brought us all out here just as a, a shtick, you know, for your own aggrandizement." And the other one said. We deserve to die. What was us? Let's throw us on the river. Uh, you know, Chataino Gavral Al Nafshedo. So one group is screaming, and one group is wailing, and one group is saying, Get your guns, and the other group is saying, Don't do it like that. So it's, it's like impossible. It's a Balagan Shinkamu from a million people. From a million people. So the Jews were like in a, in a freak out situation. Now, Moshe was one guy. Uh, how is it? that he wasn't overwhelmed because we're di- everything I just described partakes of panic. Now, I want to tell you something. It's easy for me, sitting here in Baltimore, you know, uh, to, you know, in Cholomoid, to, uh, you know, judge others. And I'm serious. When you re- reach terrible situations, you do panic. Very few people can hold their head and be calm in such a situation. So how is it then in spite of everything, Moshe was able to hold the fort uh, until, you know, the moment came to split the sea. Matter of fact, I remember seeing here in the Mechilta, who, where Behinah Nasi said like this, this was the finest moment of Moshe. I, forget, I can't find it exactly. Re'e says, look how Moshe was able to hold everybody, you know, uh, hold, hold the fort without the whole thing collapsing. Because what I'm trying to convey to you today in this podcast is the group dynamic was like out of control. And it's easy for somebody to to give a dry toe or something like that. But the truth of the matter is, how do you physically control a panic situation? Uh, remember last year in Sfat at Miron, it was a panic situation. You, you get these things. And when you get these crowds and the things that are in, you know, nuts in control, it can happen. And so, um, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Um, it says, "By Yomrel Moshe, Hamibli and Kvar b'Mitzrayim, this is Micholta. Me'achas shenos nesar leiso. I know is that when they got really sinned, sinful. Bol Moshe Yomrel Halazel, Dabar Shedimah Mitzrayim. Okay, and 
What's going on over here? We told you in Egypt from the very beginning when you first appeared to Pharaoh and he doubled the bricks and cut the straw that you were going to be trouble for us. That's what it said. And now this is going to be Mr. Malmises Achinabafelo. And then you had 80% uh, perish in, in the um, plague of darkness. So let's put it this way. People came to Moshe with a good taina. You're supposed to be the leader. I don't think it's so successful if 80% <laughs> can't, can't get out. And because they don't go with your program, they all die. I mean, what kind, what kind of a, a saving is that? Okay? And now it's even worse. Right? Right? And now we're going to die without a funeral. So Moshe started answering that. And the Mechilta says, How did Moshe do that? Like I say, in a physical dynamic, group dynamic way. How do you keep a crowd from just panicking and rushing him and trampling him? And whatever. And that's why he says, that wisdom is a, is a more powerful um, tool for a chacham than 10 bodyguards. Because right? they would overwhelm them. Now, that's one way of understanding it. But still, at the end of the day, was Moshe simply able to be such a good talker that to this group he said this, and that group he said, now maybe he was. But is that some shot? So I like better, it's really funny, Kliyakar. Who, who always has a, a fine sense for the language. And this is Gvaldi, by the way, in our Parsha, where it says, as we all know, that um, the Egyptians were pursuing them and they're catching up with them, right? And So Hashem blocked the Egyptians from. from Catching them with the Jews, I'll peek Derek Atavi what they were caught up with them, but something interposed. It was the Amun Ha'anon, it was Malach Elokim, whatever it was. So the simple way of reading that is that because of this, Team A could not get to Team B all night. The Egyptians who were pursuing the Jews could not catch up with them thanks to this nace. Al-Piderich would have caught up with them. After all, they were in fast chariots. But because it is, it didn't happen. And that's why the miracle could take place a little bit later. Um, okay, I mean, I get that. But it doesn't answer the question, how did Moshe handle the mob scene, the panic, the Mishagahas that was going on among the Jews themselves? That's the question. And the Kliyakar says, he says, I think that it's referring to the Jews. Meaning, it's almost like divide and conquer. I don't think he means cynically that Moshe divided and conquered them, but I think he means that the groups quarreled with each other so, so much that they couldn't get together under one banner. Had they done that, they would have overwhelmed Moses. Let's say, for example, they would have said, let's say, I'm just making this up. Let's say the group that said, Nasa Muhammad. Let's say they would have prevailed. Then it was, I guess, everybody's chicken, get out of the way. Everybody's got any guts, pull out your knife, pull out your sword, and let's take one of these Egyptian mamzerim. Let's let's go after them, right? It's a JDL time. But they never were able 
to persuade the others. They remained affection. The guys who said, let's scream at them, couldn't persuade the others of the value of that. The ones who said, let's all drown ourselves because we, because we're all Bali Avera. The others said, what are you talking about? We're not Bali Avera. You know, we're, we're crazy. And the ones who said, um, let's go back to Egypt. Probably the others said, I ain't going back to Egypt. <laughs> you know, now after what I took from my, from my master's house, I ain't going back to Egypt. <laughs> you go back to Egypt. And so, all night, in face of this mortal danger, and they didn't know what you and I know, which at the end was going to be good, and the secret split. I mean, who could count on that? So, in the face of all this mortal danger, all they could do was uh, quarrel with each other. So that way, Moshe didn't have to appease each and every one. He should just sit, <laughs> sit back there. The only thing is, and this is the best part, then you understand what's going over here. Poor Moshe, they're driving him nuts. They're driving him nuts. This one's screaming this way, that one's screaming that way, and, you know, what are you supposed to do? So, it's very funny that Moshe says to them, and so forth and so forth, and we saw before that, why does it have to say like that? It's like, hey, what do you mean? You be silent. So, if you want to read it the Pashup Shop in a nice way, then it, which is never my style, if you want to read it in a nice way, then you say it like this. Moshe says, Be silent and you'll witness something like you've never seen and never will see again. Atem Tachwishun. Right? Be silent and you'll see the most amazing thing. But I think the shot is like this. One screaming like this, one screaming like that, a third way and a fourth way, and Moshe like this, I can't think. We don't put ourselves into the historical reality of it. You have a million people screaming at this one, saying this, and that one saying this, this one saying it. Imagine you're in a crowd and one said, vote for Trump, the other one said, vote for Biden, and vote for this, do this, do that, do that. How do you hold a cup? Moshe had to daven, you know. He had to hook up with Hashem to make the Kriyas Yamsev happen. And how can you do it? So Moshe like this, listen, just believe me, he says to all the different groups. Hashem God will take care of the whole thing. But shut up! <laughs> let, let me have a little presence of mind. Just shut up! You understand? Stop with your complaints and your tactics and your strategy, all the rest of it. You know, it's like, I, I need a minute to think. I need a minute to talk to Hashem. You can't go, even Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the highest of all the prophets and didn't need to go to sleep to talk to Hashem and all the rest of it, like the Ramah says. But still, you need a little bit of concentration. If I'm in a room, and some of you will know what I'm talking about, if you have family, little children, this and grandchildren, and this one's pulling this way, and that one's pulling this way, and this is screaming this, and that one's screaming that, and all the rest of it, you can't think. <laughs> Even if you're Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't think. And so he says to all the others, and Mephi's them, Hashem Yilachim Lachem, listen, don't worry, this is all going to turn out good. Now just shut up and watch what happens. So it turns out that, and Hashem says, you know, just like this. You know, now you got him to be silent for a second. Uh, so it's like, you know, you ever seen a room? Somebody with the loudest voice says, be quiet already, just shut up everybody. And it kind of works for a minute. You know, you ever, you ever been in a room like that? Just shut up already. Moshe, when he wanted to, had a very loud voice. How do I know that? Because Yushalmi says that the original Passover, which had just taken place, the original Pesach, 
was done in three parts. And in Mitzrayim, Moshe, who after all was standing in one place in Egypt, you can't carry him all over the country, but they could. Because he said, Kat Rishona, Mimakam Ploni Aploni, you go first. And then Kat Shnia, Mimakam Ploni Aploni, you go second, and the same thing with the third. So I'm standing in Baltimore, and I'm screaming to Philadelphia, and I'm screaming to, to, to New York, and I'm screaming to, to Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, that's far away. How could they hear me? So obviously, nice, but no, when Moshe wanted to, he could turn it up there. And so, Hashem Yilachem Lachem Batem Tachrishun. Let's everybody be quiet already. Just shut up. So you see that poor Moshe, even at the moment of the greatest triumph of the crazy Yamsuf, which we say the biggest is Galus, Elokus, all the rest of it, was a person dealing with people. And they fadrin him a cup and they drove him crazy. And in light of what I just said, now keep in mind the Elvis Reb Nelson said before. So here the Jews just shut up for a minute and the sea split. But then the same shtick starts again. Instead of four part, because now they see they're going to get out of there. So instead of some saying, let's go back to Egypt, or let's make a war, this and the other. Instead, it switches to their conditioning is good enough. The rugs is good enough. I don't like the telephone. The, you know, the property in Orlando isn't, uh, you know, uh, big enough. The swimming pool is not warm enough and so on and so forth. That's what we read in the Obisro Nosan. And the truth of the matter is that Moshe couldn't tell Matem Takrishun because it was a passive active situation. If they don't move, they don't move. He had to accommodate them. You understand? In the other place, he didn't have to accommodate because they're going to run away. They got to get away from the Egyptians one way or the other. When it comes to making them cross, hi. So it goes to show you that uh, the Chazal did not choose to, uh, at least some of the Chazals. These are old ones, Michalta, Officer Nasser, the Yushalmi. They didn't choose to, uh, what's the right word, to sugarcoat any of this. And at least it brings us, I would argue, to a point where we can understand in a human level, a little bit of what happened in this superhuman event. Um, anyway, that's just a little thought I have about the Shavish uh, Pesach, which we're about to celebrate. Again, it's Malatov Jezev Radin, it's his anniversary of his Bar Mitzvah. Parsha, I think his Bar Mitzvah was last year, if I'm not mistaken. I'll ask his kids. <laughs> uh, but uh, with that, I wish everybody a good week, a good, a good mowing. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.